Front office, please hold. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. braces. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of the Front Office Podcast. What's happening, everyone? And to start off the show, obviously, I have to mention that the Front Office Podcast is brought to you by our pals at the Smoke Shack and BTP Smokehouse. Kev, hit them up with that promo code. FOP10. FOP10 at checkout for all of your barbecue needs. So tonight's a special show. So first of all, I'm going to have you go on our special guest because I think you're getting a lot of feedback coming through from, from your phone or computer, whatever you've got going on. So just go on mute before I introduce you. There we go. Now we're back to uh, <laughs> we're back to a state of silence. So Kev, Jet, and Kyle are back this week, and because he was so good in our boxing episode, we decided to bring back the one and only senior brother of the Kirkwood family, my brother Ryan. Ryan, what's up, man? Uh, it's not senior. I'm uh, Irish Ukrainian. There's no there's no Mexican in my background. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Your mustache would be otherwise. Anyways, so Ryan, what's going on? Uh, very happy to have you back on the podcast. Again, you're going to be chiming in on something that you are very passionate about with our main topic. We'll get into that a little bit later. So uh, before we get into it, I usually do this at the end of the show, but I, I think that we really have to do it you know, more towards the start because, again, we've got some other great partners over at Human 2.0. I want to mention it before Jethro falls asleep because they are his employer, and we want to make sure that they get their due credit. So Human 2.0, everybody, go check out what they're doing in the rehab and physiotherapy world. They're absolutely blowing things out of the water with you know, some of the things that they're doing. Um, and when you register for a free trial class at Human 2.0, mention the podcast and you will get a second one. All right. So now that we got that shit out of the way, let's get back into our regularly scheduled programming. So, Jet, you and I had a bet last week, which obviously neither of us won. So... Odell Beckham Jr. didn't sign with either of the teams that we had bet on. Ended up going to the Rams and had an extremely, extremely poor showing, as Kev predicted on last week's show. But um, again, you know, really disappointed that he didn't end up going back home to the Saints. I really thought that that was going to be a good fit. Jet, I know you're really hoping for that Green Bay connection, but I mean, I think at this point of his career, Odell Beckham is really going to be a you know a subsidiary character. He's not going to be the leading man. So maybe going to a team like the Rams was a best case scenario for him. He can blend in more there. There's more star power there. He doesn't have to be the guy, and he can just kind of you know go and and do his thing. But because we pushed it from last week, we've got it on the line again this week. So again. I know that you're going to take forever if I put it on your shoulders to make a decision. This is so, true. This is very true. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, sorry. So, Jack, 
because we had a wager on NFL signings last week, right now we're in the throes of Major League Baseball and their offseason. So now we're seeing some free agents, you know, sign their qualifying tenders, some passing on their qualifying tenders, and we've already started to see some guys sign some free agent contracts. So here's the bet this week. Two Blue Jays, very prominent free agents this year. So, of course, we're talking about the Cy Young winner as of today and uh, Robbie Ray, the pitcher. And uh, we've also got Marcus Simeon, the all-star MVP caliber shortstop that, uh, that was on the Blue Jays as well. So, and I say shortstop, even though he played second base this year, he's a shortstop, everybody. He's got to get paid like a shortstop. So, Jet, here's the bet. The over-under on either of these guys signing back with Toronto, and I'm going to set it at one. So either you're going two or you're going zero. Which well, one do you here's want? the problem. Here's the problem. I don't know dick about fuck about baseball. Well, I really, really don't. So, and you're putting the odds in, like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? Go big or go home, man. Either you think they're both going to re-sign with Toronto or you think neither of them are going to re-sign with Toronto. Ah, uh, fine. I'll say, I'll say zero. Just All because right. it's a bit, just because it's a business, I'm going to say zero. And if he won the Cy Young, he's going to command way more money. So I'll, I'll say zero just based on that. I, this has, this is no reflection on me knowing anything about either player. Absolutely not. I, well, I, but that is, I will go with zero. One of them just won the Cy Young and one of them is up for the MVP. And I mean, both guys are going to demand gigantic contracts. So I, I personally don't think that they're going to resign, but because you've already selected that, I'm going to go on the basis that, you know, let's hope that Toronto could bring both these guys back. And on the line, we'll keep it similar to what we did last week. So we got a bucket of, uh, of Mary Brown's delicious chicken. So we'll put that one on the board for this week. All right, so on to our regularly scheduled programming. And, uh, Kev, I was kind of disappointed that last week's Grinding Beans wasn't as angry as I was hoping it was going to be. So I hope you got something queued up right now that's really going to knock our socks off and get back to your hateful ways. So over to you with this week's Grinding Beans. Grinding Beans. Um, Yeah, I'm going to kindly... Pass to Jethro for his um, session, just because I don't really know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> All right, so you know, I, I I'm actually not so disappointed with that because the reason why we brought our special guest on is because Ryan is, is very you know very opinionated when it comes to things that we talk about on the show. I'm always getting texts saying, oh, you know, you guys talked about this. Kev sounds like an idiot when he said that. You know, you sound stupid when you said that. So I like to think that he's a man of the people. So I was actually going to institute a new segment where he was going to critique our segments because being a man of the people, I want to hear what the people have to say. So what do the people have to say about Kevin not having a Grinding Beans episode this week? I speak for the people. But first of all, I want to say I'm just I'm humbled that I have been chosen by my fellow people 
to represent them and the masses. Because I, I do feel that I am the I am the face and the voice of the people, even though I hate listening to my own voice on any recording. Maybe but I will give my opinion. <laughs> most, most, most people. <laughs> but I think my opinion on that grinding beans is that was the best grinding beans I think I've, I've heard on any podcast I've listened to by you guys. The fact that Kevin said less, I'm all for it. All the better. <laughs> and the people have spoken. <laughs> oh, man. That's fantastic. Fucking tan. AKA, go fuck yourself, Kevin. Be prepared next time. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to come at us with something strong like report cards and how much they're just grinding you down these days, but you, you took That's you took where I'm at. I'm grinded. I, my beans are grinded into a fine, fine espresso bean right now. They're packed tightly because all I'm doing is marking and marking and marking. And at the very least, the one thing I will say that shows a little bit of anger is I was angry that work got in the way of missing uh, me missing yesterday's Canada-Mexico soccer game. Upset that I missed that game because I was busy doing what I'm paid to do. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that you... So, you know, let's just uh, let's just leave it at that. But again, I'm, I'm so glad that the people have a voice now. They can They can be represented by somebody who's not affiliated with the podcast to let us know when we got to keep our shit together. So speaking of keeping our shit together, Jet has a very hard time of doing that in his professional and daily life. But what better way to kick it over to him than to say, what do you got cooking with this week's installment of Constantly Improving? You are, you are very correct, though. Like, I do not have my shit together, but that's okay. That is okay. I know what I am. I know what I is. Okay, so, Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, what I wanted to talk about, uh, I'm talking about a specific injury, but I want to talk around that specific injury, and you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. So, unfortunately, we all... Um, witnessed um, Chase Young uh, tear his uh, right ACL last week uh, when they were playing Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was a non-contact injury, uh, so it wasn't like, you know, he got folded over. It wasn't anything like that. He was trying to turn the corner, planted his right leg, and was riding in pain on the ground, um, effectively ending his season. What I found really weird, and this is a little bit off topic, but it's kind of crazy when you think about the fact that he and Nick Bosa were both DNs at Ohio State. Nick Bosa leaves, is defensive player of the year, uh, defensive rookie of the year. The next year, tears his ACL. Chase Young, I believe, was defensive rookie of the year and then tears his ACL the next year. That's kind of nuts. Kind of nuts, especially considering they were both on the same team, played the same position. Kind of nuts. Anyway. That's 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 another that's just kind of a freaky Friday situation. Now, the reason I'm talking about Chase Young's injury because it's it's the NFL. We see ACL tears often. Okay, is I started looking at his injury history and I started to wonder 
you know, why is it that this happened? I know that there's freak situations, but I wondered why did this happen? And then I was reading a story where he was talking about the fact that he, he said uh, for the first part of last season, he was playing with a groin injury. And I said, interesting. He's playing with a groin injury. Now, obviously, like football players are not going to say, you know, yeah, I feel 100% now, even though I was playing with a groin injury all season last year, yada, 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 yada. Now, the reason I, I, I found that interesting is because the groin is very, yes, just groin, not groins. The groin is, is intricately connected to uh, the hamstring, right? So the thing about the hamstring is that the hamstring actually works as the braking system for hyperextension of the knee and also protects the ACL. So for those who don't know, uh, Kyle, I'm sorry if I'm bringing up old wounds, but the ACL typically tears because um, there's a bit too much force where the shin bone is shifted forward in relation to the thigh bone right? Sounds like I'm going to sing that thigh bone next to the, but the shin bone shifts forward and uh, it's unable to really be stopped by the tissues. Now, the hamstring actually wraps around the, from the back of the leg to the bottom, uh, to the top, sorry, of the shin bone. So it helps you not tear your ACL. So I did find it very interesting that a guy who had groin issues the year before which could potentially affect his hamstring ends up tearing his ACL the year after. Now it could be the same knee or it could be the opposite knee. And if it is the opposite knee, then it could just be uh, compensation. Right? So the moral of the story is as much as possible, strengthen your hamstrings because typically your quads tend to be stronger than your hamstring. Right? So if you overdo it with your quads, right? as opposed to just your hamstrings, you may actually be putting your ACL in a vulnerable position. Now, I'm, I'd be interested to hear what one of our guests, uh, Dr. Rayner would say about what I'm saying right now, but I think he would agree. Um, don't just focus on, you know, oh, I need to get my teardrop in my quad. I need this huge quad. Work on stuff that people don't see because it'll protect the joints that will likely take you out for the season. So essentially what you're saying is, is that people have to stretch out their creamy hamstrings. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> so the pervert from Family Guy had it right all along. He's just trying to protect everybody from, you know, tearing their ACLs by stretching out their hamstrings. So hey, listen, Her Herbert the pervert has never complained of ACL pain or knee pain. You know that I never put that together, that his name was Herbert, and they referred to him as a pervert? <laughs> Herbert the pervert. I had never put that together. It just it flew right over my head, but all right. Now that that's, that segment's over, we have to go back to the people, men of the people. What are we talking? What, what are we thinking about Jethro Tickman? I speak for the people. Uh, little, I'm not gonna lie. Literally, the whole time he was talking, I had that I had a fiddle band going on in my head with the knee bones connected to the hip bone. Like he, he said, it. like that literally all I had going on in my head. And then literally, as soon as he said hamstring, you took the words out of my mouth, because that's all I heard. With my monthly arm defensive end with my good news. 
you. But as a, as a, as the people, you're saying that we shouldn't focus on aesthetic. But that's what I'm the, saying. But as the that's people, what I'm saying. as the people, we're not at, we're, we're not athletes. We just want to look good. And if I can't wear my booty shorts out on a regular basis and look good, and have have my teardrops just showing off and flexing those booty shorts out there, what am I going to do with my days off? Really? <laughs> but hey, the people also aren't getting paid millions of dollars to play a sport. So I'm saying the people, the million, the, the people who are playing the sport and getting paid. They shouldn't worry too much about the aesthetic. I'm not here but for hey, them. But, but hey, for the but if you want, if you want to strut in your booty shorts, do you, homie? Do you? <laughs> I am here for the people, Jethro. The people, people. <laughs> the people have spoken. Man, I'm so glad that we instituted this new thing. This is fantastic. I'm literally just going to dial him in on every episode now, just to get his opinion on, on everything that we talk about. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to my segment now, which is more along the lines in the fantasy football realm, and that's, of course, Clutch with Keys. Clutch. So starts and sits this week. Again, last week was my worst week yet, but we still hit four out of six. So, again, not too bad, not too good. We're looking to get back on the horse this week to get all six right and get you people winning your weeks in fantasy football. So, starts this week. We're going to go to Detroit, and we've got a tight end down there who's had a rough go the last few weeks. Lots of holding penalties. He hasn't gotten a lot of targets. He's really been a disappointment for guys who drafted, guys and girls who drafted him in fantasy football this year, and that's TJ Hawkinson. The reason why TJ Hawkinson needs to be in your lineup this week is because he is due for a breakout game. You know, when I look at who they're playing this week, Cleveland Browns, we just talked about pass rushers. Cleveland gets after the passer better than every team in the league this year. Miles Garrett is a man on a mission. He's going to break the sack record this year. Jadavian Clowney's on the other side. They've got their linebackers playing in full force. Jared Goff is going to have to check the ball down constantly the entire game. The best way to do that is to chip Miles Garrett with TJ Hawkinson and then release him out into the flat. I think TJ Hawkinson is going to get double-digit targets this week. Good bounce-back game for him. And we, as we all know, Detroit is going to be playing catch-up. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Look for TJ Hawkinson to break out this week. My second one. We're going down to Carolina, and anyone who's followed the Panthers the last couple of weeks know that they've had a little bit of a reunion with the former MVP, Cam Newton. Cam came back last week knowing very little of the playbook, scored two touchdowns on his first two touches with the Carolina Panthers. Well, I'm not picking Cam Newton this week to break out. I'm picking DJ Moore. If you have DJ Moore in your lineup, He is going to pay dividends for you exponentially because Cam Newton throughout his career has shown a tendency to focus on one receiver, whether that be Steve Smith, Kelvin Benjamin, Greg Olson, and now DJ Moore. Cam Newton is going to get the start this week. He is going to want to get very easily moved into that offense. 
DJ Moore is great with the ball in his hands, so look for him to get the ball out quick. Bubble screens, slants, hitches. DJ Moore is going to put up good numbers for you this week at Fantasy. And finally, Jet, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of your beloved 49ers. I'm not talking about somebody that you like. I'm talking about somebody that you hate. But I love the matchup that he has this week, especially coming off that Rams victory that they just had. Jet, I'm going with Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G is going to have an absolute bomb, in a good way, of a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Reason why is because Debo Samuel is playing out of his mind right now. George Kittle is back and looked like the George Kittle of old last week. And for anyone who hasn't seen the block of George Kittle on Vaughn Miller, please go YouTube that. It is one of the best blocks you're ever going to see. But George Kittle's back to playing at a high level. And we have Brandon Ayuk sightings the last couple of weeks, Jet. So what better way than to incorporate a quarterback who Jethro loves so much back into the fray than to have his three best weapons firing on all cylinders and the run game going. Because again, last week they ran the ball 40 times. So even if Jimmy doesn't have to throw the ball very much, he's going to throw some touchdowns, just like he showed last week. And that's why Jimmy G's got to be in those lineups this week, especially if you have your starter on a bye. Jet, you're off mute. You have something to say about that. Listen, I think they heard my rant last week, okay? <laughs> because, I, listen, I'm, I'm cool. when If Jimmy G plays well, I'm cool with it. But he should not be, it should, he should not be the one responsible for the win. That's all, that's all I'm saying. It should be on the run game, and it should be on Debo and Kittle. And it should, it should never be on the shoulders of Jimmy G. If you tell me, hey, there's two minutes left in the game, we got to put the game on Jimmy G's shoulders. I'm turning off the TV. <laughs> it's because it's not happening. Unless they put, unless they play Wildcat and they put Yuschuk, Kittle, and Debo in the backfield with no Jimmy G. That's, that's the only way I would watch it. Other than that, I don't care. But if, Listen, he's playing, if he's playing well enough that we win, I'm just great. I'm good. But that's why he's going to lead your fantasy team to a victory this weekend because they're not going to put too much on his shoulders, but he's going to benefit from the run game. Um, all right. So sits. And again, we highlight guys who are on the bubble. We want to put them in our lineups. Again, I'm not going to tell you to start, you know, Christian McCaffrey. I'm not going to tell you to start Jamar chase. When we go to the sits, however, these are guys who you would, ordinarily absolutely have to have in your lineup so we're going to stick with that this week the first guy is one who's been an absolute fire the last few weeks and he's gone bananas with touchdowns and that's the arizona running back james connor so the reason why james connor it needs to be on your bench this weekend is because again i'm looking at the defense that they're playing and it's a very stout seattle seahawks run defense so that's number one. Number two, Kyler Murray is trending to be full health this weekend, as is DeAndre Hopkins. So with Kyler coming back, with DeAndre Hopkins coming back, you've got all of your receivers you know, back in tow. 
along with Zach Ertz, fully immersed into that system now, I'm looking at the Arizona Cardinals to go absolutely bananas through the air. And James Conner, although he's been the recipient of a lot of those touchdowns the last few weeks, they're all going to go through the air to those receivers and maybe to a Zach Ertz. So put James Conner on your bench. Don't believe the hype of the last month. Number two, another running back. One who you would say, I'm fucking nuts for putting this guy on my bench. But for something, you know, something about this game just screams to me, it's going to be a passing game. I'm talking about Joe Mixon with Cincinnati playing against the Las Vegas Raiders. So we saw the Raiders get absolutely embarrassed on Sunday night against the Chiefs. I think that they're going to want to come back out. They're playing at home. It's a revenge game for them. They really want to get back on track. They're going to look to shut down Mixon, and I think they're going to put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands, looking to make him beat them through the air. So I don't think that Joe Mixon's going to be putting up those numbers that are going to save your week in fantasy. So if you have an opportunity to dress someone else, go and do that. And my last one, this is kind of a, you know, kind of a no-brainer for me. But when, again, you look at the surface of you know, the position itself, You'd say, I can't not start this guy because he's so important for the position that he plays. And we're talking about the Chicago Bears-Baltimore Ravens game. I'm going with Mark Andrews. The reason why I'm going with Mark Andrews is because I think that because the Baltimore receivers had such a terrible performance the last time they were on the field, I think that Lamar is going to make a point to target them early and often. And I think they're going to take more deep shots down the field against the Chicago defense. Call me crazy. I don't think Mark Andrews is going to put up those numbers that you've been seeing him put up for the last, you know, six weeks. I think he's going to, you know, cool off a bit this week. And you're going to see a big game out of Bateman, Marquise Brown, if he plays, and even a Devin DuVernay. Bench Mark Andrews. And that's this week's Clutch with Keys. So now that we've heard that, over to the people. What do the people have to say about fantasy football advice this week? I speak for the people. Well, you've heard it here first. I'm telling you right now. Bet the farm. Cash in your 401ks. Bet it all. Shane Falco and the Icebox. They're going to win it all. They'll, they'll take your fantasy team right to glory. I'm telling you right now. That's it. That's all I got to say. The Sentinels, Little Giants. Right to the Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> that honestly sounds like something Kev would say because he's because he's bored with the topic of the show. <laughs> I hate this podcast so much. <laughs> you know what I hate? The fact I can only see your forehead and there's a light shining right on top of it. And it's literally <laughs> fucking blinding. <laughs> I shine bright like a diamond. But, but in, all honesty, all my diamond. in all honesty though unless tj hawkinson is throwing the ball to tj hawkinson he's not getting many yards golf is horrible absolutely atrociously horrible i could literally put shane falco in there keanu reeves could show up at that game and still have a better game than golf he's got so that lefty uh, magic man in the tv show uh game of thrones they call uh, jamie lannister um, the King Slayer, Jared Goff, is the first round pick Slayer. The LA Rams want nothing to do 
for the first round selection, thanks to Jared Goff. They will trade away every first round pick for the next 20 years so they avoid making the Jared Goff mistake again. So they're basically you and fantasy. I fold in. Once I go 0-3 every year, I just call it a year. When I, when I get to three losses, I just pack it in. Call her a season. It was a fun time at the draft back in August. Mid-September, I'm about done. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Lock it up. <laughs> well, well, okay. So here, here's here's my thing with, with Jared Goff, okay? So you know how sometimes there there's just like a like I've never met like a, like an ugly savanna. You know what I mean? I've never met an unattractive uh I don't know. Give me a name, like uh an Ashland or something. I don't what Mildred. Never met an, an unattractive Mildred, okay? <laughs> but what I'm saying is just the dude's name tells you he's going to be bad. Jared Goff. Nothing in his name says baller. You know, like John Elway, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Jared Goff. Like, just his name tells you he's going to be shit. Like, literally. I'm t- like, when he got drafted, and I remember seeing film on him, I was, I was just like, damn, this is like, this is, this is like uh, a dude who's really drunk at the bar and then says, well, I, I got to do something. Okay, I guess, you know, she'll do. Like, that's literally how I feel like the Rams were that year. Because there was nothing that year. They were just like, we got to draft somebody. And then, like Kev said, they, they, they're like, fuck it. We're not drafting a first rounder for the next decade because they, this guy was so bad. They sold the farm for Jared Goff. Like, He's so bad. Everybody, everybody gives Washington shit for how much they traded the Rams to get RG3. The Rams traded more to go up and get Jared Goff. Think about that. That's embarrassing. That is Anyways. embarrassing. The Rams, you are an embarrassment. I don't know how the Rams keep bringing in people because how they're not $80 million over the cap right now is beyond me. But Cap's hey, a suggestion. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you got that L.A. money with that $6 billion stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And, you know, we, we've kind of teased it at the start of the show. We've talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and we decided that we're actually going to go forward and do it and just you know have a topic that I think all of us are really looking forward to. The reason why our special guest is joining us tonight, because he has a lot to say on the topic, we're going to explore the rise and fall of John Bones Jones tonight. So, again... Anyone who doesn't know who John Jones is, you're definitely not a combat sports fan. You know, the once pound for pound, you know, champion at light heavyweight, looked at as the most natural talent to ever come through the UFC and combat sports. Natural? Come on. What's that? (laughs) Nothing about that guy was natural. See, I set that up. I set that up. (laughs) So, you know, but again, you look at the talent that he had or has still and how quickly he was able to rise through the ranks and become a champion in a world 
sports icon. It's it's such a you know, it's such a waste when you look at everything that he could have had and doesn't anymore because of his off field and on you know out of ring stupidity. You know, we had an episode a couple of weeks ago where we talked about off field buffoonery. You know, athletes who just make dumb choices when they're not playing the sport that they get paid to, and that affects everything that they that they do on the field. Well, at the end of the show, I don't know if anyone's listened to that and remembered. We actually mentioned that the king of that is John Jones. And boy, when you look at everything that that guy has done to fuck his career up, it is more than you can even imagine. So why not talk about it? We'll break it down. I'm going to go through a full timeline of John Jones's career, good and bad. These guys are going to chime in whenever they see fit. But we're going to give you the rise and fall of John Jones. Are you guys ready for this? Well, I, I was ready for this three weeks ago when you mentioned on your podcast. <laughs> and you know what is funny? That actually spurred this episode because we kind of teased it. And then you literally texted me right after saying like, yeah, we need to talk about that asshole. <laughs> that guy literally took his career up to 70,000 feet and jumped out of a plane with no parachute. That's how much his career fell. That's what he did to it. <laughs> All right. So. You know, again, John Jones, mixed martial artist uh, with a couple of different organizations, but most predominantly with the UFC. Uh, he's got a career record of 26 wins, one loss, and one no contest. But let's go through the timeline and rise and fall of John Jones. So, April 12th, 2008. John Jones makes his mixed martial arts debut at the age of 21. He defeats Brad Bernard by TKO in 92 seconds at Full Force Productions event. August 9th, 2008. John Jones competes in the UFC for the first time. So really gets the national stage. I like how Kevin's got his stand-in already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again... He improves to 7-0 as a mixed martial artist as he defeats Andre Guzmao at UFC 87. January 2009. John Jones, and here's the first one of many, everybody, so buckle up. John Jones is cited for unsafe passing while driving with his girlfriend and young child in Ithaca, New York. Ithaca, New York. He struck multiple vehicles, including one that was attempting to make a left turn. No injuries, and he was not deemed to be at total fault of the minor accident, but he was still cited and produced with a fine. That's literally the story of that guy's life. Like, no, no, my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> daddy, Dana, daddy, yeah. daddy, can you help me, daddy? <laughs> December 5th, 2009. John Jones suffers the first and only official loss of his career. Who did he lose to, guys? Matt Hamill. Matt Hamill. Matt Hamill. With one of the worst <laughs> officiating calls that we've seen in mixed martial arts history oh. with an illegal 12 to 6 elbow. Um, so, again, didn't really lose the fight. He was dominating the fight, kicked the ever loving shit out of Matt Hamill. But just with that, the referee stopped it, declared him the, the loser of the fight. You know, John yeah. Jones has his first loss in his record. Do you actually remember why the referee stopped that fight? 
Didn't he ask Matt the, Hamill if he was okay, and then Matt Hamill couldn't see him because his face was full of blood, but he couldn't hear him anyway? No, no that's actually not how it happened. So they stopped the fight because it, it's an illegal blow, so they docked him a point or two points or something like that. But during the fight, at some point, Hamill had separated his shoulder. I remember that. Yeah, well, and right. from that, for that reason, he couldn't continue, which is why the defeat was actually controversial because he they didn't he couldn't continue because of what because of the illegal strikes he couldn't continue because he got his ass kicked so bad that his shoulder wasn't in place anymore right so there you go so, okay after, so the the fun the fun part of this is I, I don't know if he had a concussion after that fight as well because he later came back years later and said hey john jones i'm the only guy who beat you <laughs> So we should do this again. And it was like, I'm not trying to see someone die in the, in the octagon. <laughs> and what are you talking about? Your arm was hanging off and, and John, you couldn't see. Like, what are you talking about? And John Jones about? just said, and John Jones just basically replied, I ain't hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're, we're, this this is when we get canceled. This, this is it. This is it. This, <laughs> this is, is it. it. This is it. <laughs> Cancel oh, culture is coming for us today. Yeah, this is it. Um, all right. So March nineteenth, two thousand eleven. Uh, obviously, John Jones has been steadily climbing the ranks. He beats Shogun Hua and becomes the youngest champion in UFC history. And I don't know if you guys remember what happened that morning of the fight, but he was out for a walk. He was out for a walk, and he actually stopped a robbery attempt where he chased the mugger down into one of the, the, I forget what park it was, but he held him in a scissor lock until the police got there to arrest the guy. You know, exactly. It's kind of crazy to think that he helped stop a crime instead of committing one. Um, And he would... And he was in that fight because his teammate at the time, Rashad Evans, couldn't compete. So, which was a yeah. which was a standard occurrence for Rashad back then. He was always hurt whenever it came time to fight. Well, he wasn't really in the best shape. <laughs> well, um, all right. So, one of the people. One of the people. One of the people. All right. So after this, uh, John Jones is cited for loss of traction while pulling into an Albuquerque strip club. The Bentley he was driving was towed, and Jones was taken into custody once officers on scene noticed that John Jones was driving with a suspended license and had white powder on the dashboard. The charges were eventually dropped. That was just baby powder needed for grip on the wheel. <laughs> exactly. Calgon <laughs> powder. That's pretty common. Wow. Uh, a lot of Italian race car drivers do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's flour the italians use flour <laughs> all right may 19th 2012 john jones is involved in a minor accident when he crashes again a new bentley into a utility pole in binghamton new york after a night of partying uh his two female passengers suffer minor injuries jones is uninjured but is taken into custody after refusing a sobriety test Two months later, he is issued a $1,000 fine. His driver's license is suspended for six months, and he's also required to complete a victim impact panel and have ignition interlocks installed on his vehicles. So this is now two Bentleys that John Jones has ruined 
which again, anyone who doesn't know how expensive Bentleys are, that's probably a million dollars worth of car that he's damaged now. Depending on the make and model, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so August 8th, 2012, John Jones becomes the first UFC athlete to land a worldwide sponsorship deal with Nike. Incredible. The first one ever. <laughs> August 23rd, 2012, the, the UFC announces a pay-per-view event scheduled for September 1st is going to be canceled after Jones refuses to fight Chael Sonnen on short notice. Dan Henderson, who had to withdraw from the fight, had to, again, postpone the fight. John wanted to postpone it as well. The UFC wanted him to fight. It's the first time in history that a UFC event, first and only time in UFC history, that a UFC event was outright canceled because of one fight not going through. Must have been a hell of a card. Incredible. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think back then with guys like John Jones and George St. Pierre, the UFC's just like, fuck it. Put whoever else in the undercard. People are going to pay for it. Not like today yeah. where you have to put all of our best fights on cards because no one buys pay-per-views anymore. But we'll talk about that later when it comes to his pay, but he's never been a pay-per-view giant. That's. Yeah. But we'll talk about that after, I'm sure. Exactly. So September 23rd, 2013, um, John Jones wins a unanimous decision over Alexander Gustafson in UFC 165 in Toronto. Um, in doing so, he breaks Tito Ortiz's UFC record for most consecutive light heavyweight title defenses. Now, Ryan, we watched that fight. Very debatable whether he won that fight. We watched that one in, in Ottawa in a suite. And I can't remember what hotel it was, but yeah, we watched that in a suite. And yeah. I remember watching that fight and at the end of it, I was sitting there before they raised anybody's hands. I'm like, Gustafson's got that one. Yeah. Like I felt wholeheartedly that Gustafson won that fight. I agree. But, I agree. 100%. Like I remember seeing John Jones face and I was just like, how, how did he win? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Because he landed that spinning back elbow in the round, in round five. And people were like, Oh man, look at that. And I think that's what the judges got swayed on. When it's a close fight and you can win the last round, the judges typically go with you for that round, like for that fight. That's just the way that it goes. So, again, John's keeping his nose, no pun intended, relatively clean, you know, for <laughs> for the next year um, until you need August fourth. Putting, putting the air quotes around the relatively. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, August fourth, two thousand fourteen the infamous John Jones-Daniel Cormier brawl at a UFC 178 press event at a Las Vegas hotel. Again, anyone who hasn't seen that, it's pretty hilarious. They walk up on each other to do a, you know, to take the photos. John grinds his forehead into Daniel Cormier. Cormier pushes him away, and then John Jones just lands an absolute bomb over top of everyone because he's so much taller than everyone there. And Cormier goes falling off the stage. Everyone just goes off. Uh, multiple people were hurt in the crowd because, again, you're seeing these giant guys falling off of the stage on a normal-sized people. So September 23rd, 2014, Jones is fined $50,000 by the Nevada State Athletic Commission and handed 40 hours of community service in Las Vegas for his role in the brawl. So, again, not necessarily entirely his fault, but – He's the one who gets the fine, the suspension, and the community service. Um, didn't, he, didn't he also go on a rant about how that was the reason Nike dropped him or something like that? 
I believe so. That was overstated. Yeah, I believe so. I I think it was for a multitude of other reasons, but again, we'll (laughs) we'll cover that. Um, January 3rd, 2015, finally the fight between Jones and Cormier happens. Jones wins by unanimous decision. Three days later, January 6th, John Jones checks into a rehab facility. After it's revealed, he tested positive for cocaine metabolites during an out-of-competition drug screening prior to UFC 182. So this is when you really start to see the, wow, you know, this is this is a problem. Because, you know, at first you're out partying, you're driving around in a car with people, you get cited for, you know, a suspended license, whatever. This is due to a tested taint, you know, a tested sample that turned out to be tainted. And as we will see a trend, it's not the first time nor the last that this is going to happen in John's career. Do you, do you remember how long he actually stayed in rehab, which is yeah. the joke of the entire thing? Wasn't it like a day? It was 24 hours. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, you're really taking this seriously, man. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to go get some help. Yeah, I'm good after every day. They they taught me so much while I was there. Yeah, that's not rehab. That's, 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 that's a staycation. Exactly. <laughs> he just went to go get some peace and quiet so he could sleep. Yeah, yeah. that's one All step right. every two hours. That's good for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So January seventeenth, so eleven days later, the UFC finds John Jones twenty five thousand dollars for violating its athlete code of conduct policy for a failed drug test. So again. You look at how much money he's making, slap on the wrist for failing that drug test. April 27th, 2015. So now we're starting to see the snowball go downhill. John turns himself into Albuquerque police after a hit and run incident that leaves a pregnant woman injured. Jones fled the scene. Marijuana and cocaine were found in the vehicle that he fled. I think anyone who knows who John Jones is, this is really the event that you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Not only yeah, that was that was the event where I stopped being a fan of John Jones and yeah. I started going another way. Yeah. And I mean, you think about the kind of shit that it takes for you. And I realized that, you know, you're scared. You're probably because obviously he's high. Like you're scared of what's gonna happen. Why do you run? And if you're going to run, take the drugs with you. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> is going to happen? It's registered in your name. They know it's your car. You have witnesses that see a six foot five, 225 pound guy who resembles the best mixed martial artist in the world sprinting <laughs> you know, after an accident. It's <laughs> going to come back to you. It's in Albuquerque. You live there, dumbass. <laughs> and the, on- the off duty cop that was at the scene actually went to police and he's like i'm pretty sure that was john jones <laughs> yeah and you can hear the phone call that comes in it's like yeah i'm pretty sure it's john jones who the uh light heavyweight champion of the of the ufc oh that's john jones yeah yeah it, it was john jones and like <laughs> but like and you injured a pregnant woman you didn't even check on her yeah like, what are you doing man so at least Again, poke your head. At least poke your head in cartoon style. Be like, huh? You good? All right. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, at least give her like, you know, a, a quick pop in. Like you're saying, like do like the Kramer, you know, barging into Jerry's apartment. Hey, buddy, you okay? 
you know, <laughs> it just bolt out. But, you know, again, you're seeing a pattern of, you know, not only irresponsibility, but this is just stupidity. So a day later, UFC strips John Jones of his UFC title and he's suspended indefinitely by the promotion. Again, we know how much those indefinite suspensions really mean in the UFC when it comes to, you know, making money. Um, but let's, you know, advance a few more months. We're still in 2015. 2015 is a bad year for John. So September 29th, 2015, Jones pleads guilty to a charge of leaving the scene of an accident involving injury. He avoids jail time, but is required to serve up to 18 months of supervised probation. You know how much probation oh. he had to serve there? 30 days. Probably half. Thir- no, how much? 30 days probation. 30 days. 30 days probation. You sure, not, you sure that wasn't in Canada? It sounds like a Canadian justice system on that one. <laughs> uh, so anyways, you know, he's, he's the luckiest guy in the world. Like nothing has happened to him other than having to pay a couple of fines and getting a couple of, you know, slaps on the wrist for community service. So October 23rd, the UFC reinstates Jones after the company's corporate lawyers review the fighter's plea agreement. So again, really taking a hard stance on that indefinite suspension, pretty much giving him, you know, some time off to recover, you know, rest up from his injuries, probably from the car accident and, you know, get back into fighting shape. So, you know, the UFC really taking a hard stance there. So now 2015 is done. You know, John's going to get his life back on track now. Everything's great. You know, 2015 is behind me. Let's move on to 2016. Well, March 29th, 2016, Jones is booked in the county jail in Albuquerque for violating his probation. The week prior, he was accused of drag racing on five separate occasions. He was issued warnings four times before he was cited for drag racing. And if anyone has seen the video, you know that Jones is very, very angry when they pull him over and actually makes a scene. I'm surprised that they didn't take him in for arrest because the stuff that he was doing, you know, pretty much, you know, imposing himself on an officer, you know, calling them every name in the book. You know, again, why are you doing this, man? You're on probation. You already got a get out of jail free card and now you're doing the shit and they've given you five warnings for drag racing already. What the fuck? Laws are hard. (laughs) (laughs) So, two days later, March 31st, Jones is ordered to take anger management and driver improvement classes for violating his probation. So, doesn't even get anything for violating the probation and for drag racing. All he has to do is go take anger management classes and learn how to drive better. Yeah, you'd think that would be at least at least a license suspension. At least. At least. Like you have his car at least. Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. You just gotta learn to drive better, okay, pal? We're gonna take it. We're gonna okay. put you through a couple of classes, make some left-hand turns, some parallel parking. You know, it's all good. Ten and two, John. Ten and two. Um Okay, John, John, what John, what are you doing? You're coming up on a pregnant lady. Uh step on the gas? No, John. No, John. <laughs> You know what? You know what that. You know what that reminds me of. Remember when, uh, when Marge on The Simpsons tries to go to like police academy, and then Chief Wiggum goes, 
you miss the baby, you miss the blood. <laughs> <laughs> like that feels like it feels like that that's that's John Jones in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty quiet here. You got anything to say on the matter? Grand Theft Auto, John Jones style. <laughs> you're gonna kill the hooker. <laughs> I honestly feel there's there's a rare breed of person that you encounter in your life that just loves to find ways to outdo themselves. And that is John Jones, in oh, my it, opinion. It's not even close to being done yet. Not even close. Well, I, I, honestly, like this, this is kind of a hold my beer moment by John Jones. <laughs> Every time future John Jones sees past John Jones paying the price for the crimes he commits. But like every, but, but then every time when they interview him, they're like, "What do you think?" He's like, "I'm, I'm learning from this, guys. I'm young. I'm still learning. I, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be better for my wife, better for my kids, better for my family. I'm going to be better." And then he gets absolutely worse every time he says that. Like, well, wow, the amazing. most recent one, which I'm sure you're going to get to, we know it did not get better. <laughs> You got, plus, you got to shed some tears while you're saying that stuff. That guy's never once did some kind of interview in front of a judge or whatever. Where he didn't ball his eyes like a little baby. Oh, we're, we're getting to the to the most tear-filled you know, press conference. So, again, we're still in 2016. So, April 23rd, 2016, he returns to competition and defeats Ovid St. Prue for the interim UFC uh, light heavyweight title. July 6th. Jones is flagged by USADA for potential doping violations and is pulled from his UFC 200 main event bout with Daniel Cormier. You remember that bullshit when they said, hey, you know, John Jones can't fight, so let's get Anderson Silva, who hasn't trained in three years, to come and fight Daniel Cormier in the main event on two days' notice. That, that was brutal, too, because that was UFC 200. That was, like, a huge card. Like, I remember, I think we were at Boston Pizza watching that one. Or at least I was. Yeah. But like that was a huge card. And then all of a sudden they put Silva. And I'm like, no offense to Silva. The guy's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest. But Silva? Yeah, you're not competing against Daniel Cormier, 205 pounds, when he outweighs you by 60. Like, it's not going to happen. And he wasn't even ranked. Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you throw a guy in a championship fight who's not even ranked? Like, I don't, because, I don't like, get that. Anderson Silva is probably the closest stylistically to John Jones, so let's just throw him in there. It'll be kind of similar, but anyways, Daniel Cormier got paid. That's really all that matters in that scenario because, like, imagine how pissed off Daniel Cormier is at this point. Like, understandably so. The guy's been popped twice now for doping violations for both of your fights. Like, it, it I would be furious. Oh, and he's um, gonna get matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so He's fighting July 6th, the next day, July wait, 6th. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you move on to that, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, fighters who end up getting derailed after losing to people who get popped? Because I just automatically thought of TJ Dillashaw and uh, what's his name? Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt, right? Cody Garbrandt was on the come up. And then he got beat by TJ Dillashaw only to find out TJ Dillashaw was doping hard and ended up getting suspended. Like, I, I feel like 
I feel like suspension isn't enough for those guys because yeah. when they you completely derailed someone who wasn't cheating, and and I and I get it. Some people like Cody Garbrandt. Some people don't like him. I get it. But in the in the in the whole idea of fairness, the guy is pretty skilled, and then the guy gets his his career derailed because a guy full on cheated. You yeah. know, like, well, like I feel like I I feel like it's not enough to suspend those guys. Well, no, it should count as a loss to your record. First, like, to the guy that pops positive, it should be a loss. Like, any fight that you get caught popping positive, that's an L on your record. I don't really care if you dominated the fight, whatever. Like, you cheated to get there. That That's like me going to 100-meter hurdles against or 100-meter dash against Usain Bolt, hitting with a lead pipe before we start and be like, I beat Usain Bolt. No, you didn't. You cheated. That's how you won. So it's an L. But that's, that's my opinion. Like, that's, I, I could go on about Jones forever. That guy should have at least five losses on his record for all the cheating that he's done, plus the ones that I think that he actually lost legitimately. Or, or you could be like Kevin and, you know, be a professional curler and, you know, ruin your opponent's chances of winning by barfing your double-double and cigarettes all over the, the ice surface. <laughs> we, all, we all agreed, though, right? We're all going to try and make a comeback as athletes, and we're going to the Olympics. That's my sport. It's that or the shooting one, right? Yeah. But, Kev, nothing suits you more than Canadian curler. (laughs) 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 All right. Honestly, curling's scary. It's too slippery. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got some more stuff to cover here. So the next day, July 7th, 2016, you talk about Jones crying. Jones holds a press conference in Las Vegas and denies vehemently that he cheated. His manager announces that they will appeal the failed tests and they will not rest until it is overturned. So, November 7th, God 2016. Damn, Seattle's got you. The Seattle's got me. Exactly. <laughs> November <laughs> Must be all them dick drugs I've been taking. (laughs) (laughs) November 7th, 2016. Jones has issued a one-year ban from USADA retroactive to his July 6th test that he failed because both of his appeal tests came back positive as well. So not only did he test positive once, he tested positive three separate times with three different samples. So, I mean... I, I get that you want to claim your innocence there and you want to say like, well, no, I, we're going to appeal this. What are you looking to gain out of that? Like, you, could you not pay off the USADA rep quick enough to, to get this, you know, get the sample, you know, thrown out like three separate times. So November 9th, two days after the, uh, the judgment comes down, Jones is stripped was interim title by the UFC. Dana White goes on to say, John Jones is the greatest talent and biggest screw-up in the history of the world. Which, can't really argue with that. I mean, the guy's super talented, but man, does he hate John Jones. John Jones hates John Jones. So, December 15th, the Nevada State Athletic Commission officially announces that John Jones will serve a one-year suspension based on his punishment from USADA. You think he serves one year, guys? No, but that's a suggestion. (laughs) No. Because July 29th, 2017, John Jones comes back and defeats Daniel Cormier by a third-round knockout. 
only to find out that on August 22nd, 2017, John Jones is flagged again by USADA and notified of a potential violation of the USC's anti-doping policy stemming from his July 28th drug screening. The anabolic steroid Terinabol was found in his system. Again, Jones' manager vehemently denies it and declares war against USADA, saying that they demand the samples be tested again. And this is the infamous... Well, you know, it's like a you know drop of it in a pool. You, know, you, you can't you can't test like what's still in there, stupid? Like, <laughs> why is your why is your argument saying that I have it in my system, but it's not really that much? I mean, it's not going to affect my performance. Yeah. <laughs> All right, September twelfth, twenty seventeen. USADA confirms the B sample from its failed twenty fifth uh, UFC twenty fourteen test matches the sample A findings. September 13th, the next day, the California State Athletic Commission decides to overturn John Jones's win against Daniel Cormier. And later, John Jones is stripped of the title, which is then given to Daniel Cormier. So, again, you look at his record. He's winning every fight, but now this is a no contest because... He cheated. He took steroids before the fight. So going back to your point, this should be what? Loss number three? Three. At <laughs> least three. Yeah. All right. So we can kind of talk about what he's gotten into recently. That was really like the the heyday of John Jones. Because lately he's been fighting once a year because he's serving suspensions and getting hurt. But the one thing I really want to talk about is that John Jones has now been stripped of the title on three separate occasions. That's a record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also been popped more than any athlete in the in mixed martial arts. Because he's been he's tested positive on six separate occasions for different substances in his system for fights. You look at he's fought what 21 times in the UFC, six of which have come back with a positive sample. Pretty good percentage. So, obviously, he came back. He won the light heavyweight championship again. Went through a very mediocre title defense with um, Alexander Gustafson, with uh, Anthony Smith, with Tiago Silva or Tiago Al. What's the guy's name? Tiago Santos. Santos. Which again, potentially lost that fight. And with Dominic Reyes, which again on one leg too. Yeah, on one leg. And again, with Dominic Reyes, which, again, debatable whether he won or lost that fight. Jet, you were going to say something? No, I, I was on mute, and I said the exact same thing that Bry said about him being on one leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. There. <laughs> but here's the thing that you know, really created a lot of waves outside of him you know, committing crimes and felonies. John Jones vacated his title in 2020 because he was in a pay dispute with the UFC saying that he wanted to move up to fight Francis Ngannou and he didn't want to fight anymore at light heavyweight. John Jones is on record saying he wanted that Deontay Wilder money 
referring to Wilder's $32 million payday when he fought Tyson Fury in their rematch. I want to get your thoughts on that, guys. After all that's gone on, Jones has been given pass after pass after pass. He's never had to sit out a full suspension that they've given him. He keeps getting title opportunities, even though the UFC always says we're never going to give that guy a main event slot ever again. Do you think that it's warranted that he's going to them now and saying, I want a pay raise, and I want it to a point of getting $32 million like Deontay Wilder? No. It's stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. Like, you, can't, you, 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 I, can't at, you, you can't at this point, like, you ha- what leverage do you have? You've even been kicked out of your own, like, gym. You're relegated to another gym now. Like, even your own gym can't handle your bullshit. Yeah. And you're going to ask for more money? No. Ugh. But even looking from a business standpoint, like, guys like Conor McGregor don't like the guy, but the guy makes bank. Like, his pay-per-view buys, what does he have? Like, four of the top five pay-per-view buys of all time, something like that? Of combat sports, think- not just mixed martial arts, of combat sports. Okay, well, I'm I'm just saying, even in just terms of UFC, yeah, he has he has the top some of the top ones, and even he isn't making Deontay Wilder money for his fights. Even after his pay per view buys, like yeah, the guy's probably pulling in more than ten million bucks, but it's not his base salary that he's pulling in that over ten million bucks. It's his pay per view buys. So anyway, it's it's the pay per view buys that McGregor makes all of his money on because he's betting on himself. McGregor. Like what? I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure all of his pay-per-views are like 1.4 million, 1.3 million buys, something like that. Well, the the one he had against Khabib was 2.2 million. I'm, but I'm saying like average. I'm average. I think he's like average. Yeah, he's like he's like low one point, you know, 1.3, 1.4. Whereas Jones, I think his top pay-per-view was the second fight against Cormier, which was 860,000. But if you average out what he made, what his, his other pay per views, he's probably sending like 600,000, something like that. Yeah. What justifies the UFC to even think about giving you that kind of money? No one wants to watch you. Like, yeah, you're a good fighter, but no one wants to watch you. It's been proven no one wants to watch you. Well, well, it's that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you look at, like I was mentioning earlier, the lackluster performances that he's put on the last, you know, three, four years. He doesn't have the same clout that he had when he was just absolutely running through the light heavyweight division, you know, finishing guys in different ways, you know, doing techniques we've never seen before. You know, we've seen we've seen the chinks in his armor now. Like we've seen, you know, obviously the tarnish that's gone on his, you know, not just his out of ring persona, but his in ring persona. So I, I agree with you. I, I mean, athletes need to market themselves, in, or sorry, mixed martial artists need to market themselves in order to have people want to pay money to see them fight. Guess what John Jones does worse than anybody in the world? Market himself outside of the ring. Like, people will pay money to watch a guy like Colby Covington get his ass kicked. But Colby Covington makes money because he sells the fight. He's an idiot, but he sells the fight. John Jones does shit that no other mixed martial art you know, you know, mixed martial artists has done other than, you know, you see the guys who are getting life in prison for doing very, you know, very bad shit. But like this guy just time after, and like you, you, we've heard it. I'm only at 2018 with his felonies. 
You know what I mean? Like this is it's it's nuts. The last thing I'll mention, just with where we leave off today with John Jones. Obviously, we talked about the pay dispute. Is he going to fight at light heavyweight? Is he going to fight at heavyweight? Is he not? Who knows? But we've had one very disturbing, you know, issue that's come up in the last couple of months with John Jones, and we can talk about it a little bit. But September twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, police are called to Caesar's Palace responding to a domestic incident. Um, according to the police report, the 911 call was made by a hotel security guard when Jones' youngest daughter ran down to the front desk and requested help, saying that his dad or her daddy was beating his mommy or her mommy. Uh, the cops arrived, arrived in minutes. They pretty much cut Jones off because, again, as we've seen him do, John Jones tried to flee the scene. Like the guy's trying to run away from this problem. When they get to the room, they observed her with blood on her face and clothing with a bump on her lip, consistent with someone who had been struck. Um, basically, they said that the story they got from John Jones is that they left the hotel to go out with friends. She stayed back at the hotel. When John came back, he noticed that she was disheveled and had a mark on her face and was getting angry at her, asking her what happened. That's the story he gave police. After, after he tried to call them on to fight them. After he tried to fight the police officers, yeah. So she declined she declined a protective order against jones initially but has since issued one um while being detained a belligerent john jones kicked two police officers headbutted the hood of the patrol vehicle uh and apparently made threats against each and every police officer um he was booked and charged with domestic battery which is a misdemeanor one count of tampering with a police vehicle, which is a felony, which, I mean, that's a felony, and domestic battery is a misdemeanor. The fuck? But anyways, his bail was set. I want, to, I want you guys to guess. What was his bail set at? What do you think? Within, like, 50000 or something like that? Kev, what do you think? Uh, $100,000? $16,000. Probably had that in singles in his pocket going to the strip club. <laughs> so, of course, he posted bail 12 hours after his arrest. Um, four days after his arrest, he posted an Instagram video of himself lifting weights with the caption saying, I have way too much trauma to consume alcohol. My brain simply can't handle it anymore. I will leave alcohol in my past forever. Three weeks after the arrest, Jones was banned from entering Jackson Winkle John's gym, where he'd been training since 2009. So that's where we leave John Jones at his current moment. So that was uh, that was a lot of information to take in there. But again, final thoughts from each of you on you know the state that John Jones currently finds himself in and 
you know, pretty much the, the rise and fall of, uh, of Mr. Jones. So Kev, we'll, we'll go over to you first. What are your thoughts? Well, um, you know, you go back uh, just over 10 years ago and you see John Jones and undefeated uh, so much potential high ceiling, um, you know, loses that, uh, that uh, disqualification, right. For the need of the head. And I think people gave him a little bit of leeway in retrospect, maybe it wasn't so uh, incidental and, and accidental, I guess you could say, but uh, you go back that, that far and the projection and what you see being the future for John Jones is so golden and exciting and fans of the UFC are, are really looking forward to watching him grow. And I don't think anyone back then could have predicted this. And I wonder if people in his own life and his, you know, his brothers, right. Who were professional football players. I wonder if there's people in his own life in there in from his life, his personal life that could have predicted this. And I don't necessarily know that anyone could. And I often wonder is this, uh, is this one of those signs of CTE and how it impacts certain people um, more than others, right? Is this a case of uh, severe mental health issues? Why? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute when you see so much potential being wasted to the point where instead of progressing to a level of greatness, like a George St. Pierre or an Anderson Silva, he is just constantly outdone himself year after year to tarnish his reputation and basically make it obsolete so for me it's probably one of the sadder stories in sports and it's really all his fault um but i mean it when i say i hope we do find out if there was a physical component to it right whether it be cte or a mental health component to it that led him down this path and uh, I think the sad thing, I think we've all seen how this story ends, right? I think we all kind of know how it goes with the exception of someone like Mike Tyson. Most times this is a person who ends up dying young in life, right? Whether they go to prison for a long time or they take their own life or they do something and their actions befall against them an early demise. And I think that's the sad truth that we might be seeing the fall of a, of a fighter, but the fall of a person. Um, that's John Jones to me, it, more of a sad story of what could have been as opposed to, um, you know, uh, I guess comedy for us, right? We had some fun in this episode, but his fall is it's tragic. Yeah. Um, Jet, your thoughts. Uh I think Kev summed it up, man. Kev summed it up. It's 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 rare to to see people, especially in the fight game, to realize their potential on and, well in and out of the octagon, and to really be able to, you know, um, maximize all of the opportunities. And not screw up and not have that um, that sense of hubris, you know, that comes with winning championships young. It's like it's like it's it's essentially like um, it's I find I, I, I like to compare the story of John Jones to basically someone who uh, found fame early with their music career 
or a child star. You know what I mean? Like it always goes down the same road. Like let's not forget, John Jones was a champion very, very young. That's that's a lot. And and yes, it's very easy for us to 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 look at it from the outside looking in. But I'm trying to think like, man, if I was known as one of the baddest mofos on the planet at the age of, you know, 22 or 21 or whatever, and then I'm expected to just kind of toe the line, be a role model and all these different things. And again, not an excuse because some people are able to do it, but we don't know where people come from. We don't know their family background because like, 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 uh, like you guys were saying, look at look at his older brother, right? If he's a younger sibling, he's looking up at his older brother. And and Arthur Jones, he had substance abuse issues, right? Then you have John Jones. Then you have Chandler Jones. He had substance abuse, abuse issues. When you get traded by Bill Belichick for basically a ham sandwich, then the, you, you got to think, okay, hold on a sec. Like, this guy might have something going on with him. So they're all in the same family. So it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like the gift and the curse. It's like the, the Kennedys of fighting. You know what I mean? It's like, man, they're all, they're all dying, but they're all like these political superstars. Like what is going on? I essentially feel like it's the same thing with John Jones. I, I would love to see him, you know, like from a skill perspective and I know, and I know Ryan might disagree with me here, but I, I get that. Yes. He got popped a couple of times for steroids and so on and so forth and dick pills and a picogram and all that stuff. But that does not take away from his skill because let's, let's look at, for example, uh, I forget his name. Uh, Remember the guy who, who got popped for being uh, James Ir- Ir- Irvin, the one who, who was on the sauce? Sandman. Got... Sandman, yeah. But Anderson Silva, again, bad example, because he was on the sauce at some point too. But in that fight, James Irvin was on the sauce, and he still got dusted. So there's still an element of skill here. Like, if, you, if you're telling me that he's full-on overpowering, murdering people with, like, this this physique that is you know like Yoel Romero or something. Then I'd be like, all right, all I right, love let's you, not. Mate. I <laughs> love you. That's freaking good. That's really good. <laughs> but 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 at the same time, you still can't take away from the fact that he's incredibly skilled. Now, do I think that at this point, if he goes to heavyweight, that he can contend with the guys that are there? Absolutely not. I really don't think so. Like the Ganus, the 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 Ganes, like I, I don't think it's gonna happen. But at this point, because of what happened, we'll never know. Ryan, what do you got? Well, Jethro was right. I'm I am going to slightly disagree with him. I'm I'll never dispute the fact that John Jones has a, a lot of talent. Like he showed that in his early career. The guy's got talent. But you look at guys like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, those guys had talent too, but how'd they get to the peak of their career? They juiced. They would have been probably top of the top of the league, but they wouldn't have got to the upper echelon that they did without without the sauce. And to me, life's about choices. 
that guy made his choices. They were the wrong choices. And you know what? You make a choice. If you would have got pop positive once, maybe I would have said, you know what? I'll, I, I can let that go. Like you made a mistake. I get it. But you get pop. What was it? Four times for different things. Five times. Six. I, I lost Six. count how many times. Six. Six. Clearly, you're not taking this seriously. And I honestly think that John Jones should not be in the GOAT debate. He shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame debate. And all of his records that he set, they should be tossed aside. There should be or at least put an asterisk beside them in the UFC. Like they shouldn't be there. That's my personal opinion because I don't like cheaters. But I'll never deny the fact that the guy had a shit ton of skill when he first came in the league because there's no denying that. And the other point I'll make is just like Donald Trump, that guy should have a publicist taking away his Twitter account because the things he says on Twitter literally makes him look like he's an alternate for the movie Split. That guy's got so many personalities that's on Twitter and it makes him seem crazier and crazier the more he talks. Like I, 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 I see what he writes and I'm like, how does this guy not have someone vent, like vetting most of the stuff he says? He's making it worse for himself. He needs to get off Twitter, get off social media, go to some rehab retreat for a couple months, get his head on straight because at this rate, he's going to go take a crash nosedive into something and it's not going to be good for him. Yeah. <clears throat> and like, you know, the last thing I'll kind of add there is, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't have as big of a problem with guys or, or, or girls, like, you know, athletes in general who make the decision to, to use performance enhancing drugs. You know, they have to deal with the consequences, obviously, when they get caught. And that's the risk that they run. What I do have an issue with <clears throat> is all the shit that happens outside of, you know, of fighting and outside of the sport. And, I mean, Charles Barkley said it best back in the 90s when he said, I'm not a role model. I don't want kids to look up to me. I'm not trying to be a role model. And that's fine. You know what? If you don't want to play that role, don't play that role. I mean, people shouldn't look up to athletes or celebrities just because of their, of their celebrity. But the thing that John Jones has fails to understand is he has his own kids. He's got a fiance who's stuck with him through all this. And every time he does one of these things that, again, is blatant, you know, just disregard for respect of his own family. That's the issue that I have. You think about these kids that have grown up with their dad getting arrested and in the news constantly. You think about, you know, his fiance who's had to deal with all of these things where, oh, he's driving with two female passengers. He was with a female when this happened. Like, people know what's going on. They're not stupid. And now to get to the fact that he's now physically assaulted his fiance in a public place, obviously with little disregard for the consequences, because he knows he's just going to get a slap on the wrist. And his daughter had to be the one to see it and run down and tell security to help. Like, that to me should be the end of anything that we talk about with John Jones fighting ever again. Like, whenever it comes to domestic abuse and domestic violence, automatic expulsion to me. There's no room for that. Um, and, and again, you know, we talk about, you know, Kev, you mentioned, you know, possibilities of CTE. Obviously, we've talked about potential, like, issues, maybe, like, schizophrenia or bipolarism, like, whatever it may be. 
you think about how much those things get accelerated with things like cocaine. Like that's the kind of stuff that happens and that's the behavior that we see. But we also see a pattern of bad behavior that's developed from a system that's allowed this behavior to happen without severe consequences, putting a stop to it. So is John Jones talented? Absolutely. There's no denying that. Probably the most talented person that we'll ever see in mixed martial arts. I'm very confident saying that. Is John Jones the biggest wasted talent in all of sports? I 100% agree with that. No one at that level has taken away their own talent like John Jones has. So you look at the absolute travesty that it has been where you see the trajectory that he was on to where he is now. I mean, the rise and fall, and I mean a hard fall for John Jones is, you know, it's something to, you know, something to obviously have a debate over, something to evaluate. And really, I mean, hopefully a lot of these athletes that are kind of in the same boat on the up and, you know, up and coming path, like a John Jones was, are seeing this and saying, you know, I can learn from all the shit that he's done because, you know, if I want to be great, I can't do the stuff that he did. So, you know, hopefully everything can get sorted out. He can, you know, get back on the right track, but I never want to see the guy fight again. I think there's way too much going on outside of fighting that he needs to focus on. First and foremost, his family. And, you know, that's just uh, my two cents in the matter. But, you know, on that note, we're going to call it quits. This was a really meaty episode, guys. We had a lot to uh, to discuss. I think this is probably one of our longer ones that we've done. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, Ryan, thank you again for, for coming on. Uh, I know that you were looking forward to this episode, and we definitely look forward to having you. And, again, fantastic, uh, fantastic job. Obviously, this is uh, a niche thing for you when we're talking about any type of combat sports. Yeah. Power of the people. Exactly. I was going to say thank you for representing the people. He's a man of the people. He will represent the people. You know, power to the people. But uh, on that note, I mean, thank you to Dime Sports. Obviously, you guys are fantastic. Um, Love everything that you guys do for us. Thank you very much for that. Um, And then, uh, again, the frontofficepodcast.com website, guys. Go up there. You'll have all access to our you know podcast content we've got articles we've got documents we've got downloadable content we've got schedules we've got all kinds of great shit um and again there's a couple of you know exciting things that are in the works that'll be uh, released on phenomenalpodcast.com in the coming months so stay tuned for that um and uh, we're looking forward to hearing uh, our final results from the Ottawa daily uh, best podcast of uh, of 2021 results. So hopefully we can come up with a W. I voted. What's that? I voted two times. Yeah. <laughs> Martin <laughs> Kemp. Um, so we'll find out on Monday night uh, who wins that one. So hopefully we'll have some good news to report during next week's show. Um, and uh, again, we'll have another announcement for another award that we uh, we've managed to win. Um, with a podcast uh, rankings um, website as well. So we'll announce that next That's week. Looking, but, isn't it? 
What's best that? looking podcast if you guys want best, best looking, looking podcast of course that's what we got you on so you can you know you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> all right but on that note everybody thank you again for listening i uh, really look forward to you uh, getting back after it again next week but again can't thank everyone enough so we will uh we'll leave it with the people we'll leave it with the gents on this show jet you know what to do Later, bitches. Hell of a show. Hell of a show.